Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You are listening to the Qadam podcast, the series on the tafsir of Surah Yusuf. The meaning, the read-through, and the breakdown, and the commentary of the 12th chapter of the Qur'an here at Qadam Institute podcast. Bismillah, walhamdulillah, assalatu wassalam, ala rasulillah, wa ala alihi wa ashabihi, man wala. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, we are back, uh, week three, uh, going over the uh, chronological events and the surah uh, of Surah Yusuf, Alhamdulillah. We are now being able to explore some of the ayat over the past couple of weeks. Uh, we began two weeks ago um, more so studying the introduction of the surah, the, the context of the surah, how it was revealed. And then, alhamdulillah, last week we moved on to the actual narrative, the actual we call qasas, the story of Prophet Yusuf alayhi salam, the story of Prophet Yusuf, his father Ya'qub, and the introduction of how the, 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 the brothers of Prophet Yusuf alayhi salam hosted this very serious disease of jealousy and anger in their hearts towards their younger brother. So alhamdulillah, last week, just a small, you know, uh, you know, a little bit of a review of last week, we ended on the ayah where the brothers of Prophet Yusuf salam were plotting. They were plotting with one another on how to deal with him, on how to exercise their anger and their jealousy against him. One of the brothers, they suggested, Uqtulu Yusuf. Let's go ahead and just, Uqtul literally means to kill, right? So this alludes to a little bit of the, the, the mentality of what these brothers were, were, were going through, right? They allowed their jealousy and their anger to fester so deeply that one of them even suggested to kill, to terminate the life of their brother Yusuf alayhi salam. So one says, اُقْتُلُوا Yusuf, and that's where we end, uh, ended last week Where they said Let's kill him or let's get rid of him Let's either kill him or get rid of him Let's throw him in some portion of the earth And after we have committed this That our father's love will be ours Now that we have gotten rid of the, the, the variable of, of Yusuf now that he's gone, he was our father's favorite. Now that he's gone from our life, you know, Now after we commit this heinous crime, we will become a people that are described as salihin. And if anyone remembers here, we kind of touched upon the, the principle that as a Muslim, we cannot plan out our sins. That this is something that is completely contradictory to our religion. It contradicts the, 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 the actual sincerity of one's repentance. That if a person repents to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for certain things, the repentance is called repentance. It's called tawbah because the initial mistake was something that was not planned out. It was a mistake. It was what we call a slip of the mind or it was a human weakness, right? Where Allah ta'ala, He alludes to in the, in the Qur'an, وَخُلِقَ الْإِنسَانُ ضَعِيفًا Right, that there's, a, there's an ayah in the Qur'an where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that human beings were created weak. And to have that weakness is, is natural at times in your life. وَخُلِقَ الْإِنسَانُ That to slip up as a human being, and, and this is you know, where we get the English statement, to err is, anyone? Human, right? To err is human. This is literally what that statement means. That if you were a perfect creation, you would not be called human being. There's actually a very uh, sahih narration 
an authentic riwayah which says that if you were a perfect creation, that if you were a perfect creation that was sinless, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would actually erase you from this dunya and recreate you as a creation that was fallible, that was mistaken, that had the ability to ask Allah for forgiveness. So this in and of itself proves to you and I that the goal of a Muslim is not to be perfect. The goal of a Muslim is not to be perfect by any means whatsoever. The goal of a Muslim, in fact, is to be a human being, but understand that when we do make mistakes, that we return back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's almost along the same lines of the statement about it doesn't matter how many times you fall, it matters is how you pick yourself back up. How you handle your mistakes and shortcomings and moments of weakness. So now that we go through, now that we go through that ayah, we get to the ayah where Prophet Yusuf salam's brothers, they propose this, this preposterous you know, plan. And then it says, one of them, one of them spoke up, okay? One of them spoke up in ayah number 10. Now we're, we're, we're coming upon ayah number 10. So for those of you who are following along. Ayah number 10, it says that قَالَ قَائِلٌ مِنْهُمْ قَالَ قَائِلٌ مِنْهُمْ that one of them spoke up. One of them spoke up. قَالَ قَائِلٌ مِنْ هُمْ هُمْ means them, مِنْ means from. So one of them spoke up from this group of people, from this group of brothers. And he said, لَا تَقْتُلُوا يُوسُفْ Let's not kill him. Let's not completely, you know, uh, terminate this, this, this young child, right? And by the way, this is sometimes the, 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 the tafasir. Uh, it says that, you know, the, the majority of opinions, there's two major opinions on who this one was. The first opinion is that it was the brother, his name was Rubil. Rubil. This was one of the older brothers of, of the brothers of Prophet Yusuf. Uh, that's from uh, Muhammad ibn Ishaq. He was a great historian of, of, of Islam. He says that it was the brother by the name of Rubil. The other opinion, and this comes from the, the great scholar As-Suddi rahimahullah, he says that it was actually the brother Yahuda. Yahuda. These are the two oldest brothers of Prophet Yusuf, Rubil and Yahuda. So nonetheless, it was one of these two that mentioned, La taqtulu. Let's not kill him. And by the way, you know, this seems to us to be, you know, a very obvious, you know, uh, refutation of the idea, right? To kill a young child is sin on many different levels. But at the moment of weakness, when this idea was proposed, we, we already established that we were not in a state of sanity. You understand? That when this idea was proposed by the brothers of Yusuf, they were not in a state of sanity. We would actually call them even majnoon. Majnoon means like, not, not, they, were, they were not sane in, in, in their mind at that time. So for one of the brothers to speak up is actually a very valuable lesson. And that lesson is, no matter how bad the environment is, as a Muslim, as a believer, the job is to speak out against evil, even if it's even less than the true evil that was proposed in the beginning. Right? That any amount of good is good. Right? هَلْ جَزَالْ إِحْسَانِ إِلَّا ihsan. That shall the reward of good be anything except good. That even the slightest good is actually good. So this older brother, he says, لا تقتلوا يوسف, let's not kill him. He says, وَالْقُوهُ فِي غَيَابَةِ Let's not kill Yusuf, let us throw him down to the bottom of a well. Okay, now this is where 
uh, it gets a little bit interesting. Now, ghayaba, the Arabic word ghayaba, it means something that is hidden to the point where it almost disappears. Ghayaba. It comes from the word, anyone? This is kind of like Arabic 101. What does it sound like? Ghayb. Ghayb. Ghayb means unseen, right? You know, ghayb means unseen. Allah Ta'ala describes Muslims as people who believe in ghayb. They believe in the unseen, right? Allah is unseen to us. The malaika are unseen to us. There's a lot of elements in this deen that are unseen to us. So a part of belief, a part of your iman is to believe in the unseen. So the word ghayaba means unseen. So he says, لا تقتلوا يوسف وَالْقُوهُ فِي غَيَابَةِ الْجُبْ So let's throw him in غَيَابَةِ الْجُبْ So what does that mean? The word jub in Arabic refers to a well. A well, not just any well, but jub in Arabic is a well that comes out from the ground a little bit. It, 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 it comes up from the ground a little bit, so there's some walls of this well. Okay? It's not just like a hole in the ground. There's actually a structure, uh, a, a, you know, a, a circular or a square you know, piece that comes up protruding from the ground. And this is what is called ghayabatil jub. And what ghayab also indicates is that this well is very... Anyone? If, if, if someone who goes in there is unseen, what does, that, what does that mean about the well? It's very deep, very good. So ghayabatil jub, this well is something that is not shallow. It is actually rather pretty deep. Okay? And this is the, the, the intention behind throwing him in. That if it was a shallow well and if we threw him in, anybody who came by would have seen him. But if it is ghayabatil jub... That means the well is so deep that it, you might not even find anybody in there. Unless you actually look inside and you do a little bit of investigation and research and you find that there's somebody in there. A random passerby would not be able to notice that anyone is in this well because of ghayabatil jub. And here, the tafsir is very interesting that, you know, their plot to kill Yusuf would not have succeeded. This is the whole, you know, principle of the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in verses ago, in the conversation that Ya'qub was having with his son Yusuf, he says, O oh Yusuf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will complete his ni'mah upon you. And he will give you messengerhood. He will make you a prophet. And he will also make you a prophet like he has made your forefathers prophets before you. Ibrahim wa Ishaq, inna rabbaka alimun hakim. Your Lord is all-knowing and He is all-wise. So the reader who's reading through this story, and even if they, knew, they didn't never read through the story before, they never read through the surah before, just from the context clues of the previous ayat, we know that the plot of these brothers will not be fruitful. They will attempt, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is khayrul makirin. There's actually a phrase in the Qur'an where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that people will plot. Makra means to plot. But Allah khayrul makirin. Allah is the best of those who plan. Right? People will plan and people will try their best. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, once Allah says something is going to happen, there is nothing that can stop that thing from happening. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that thing will not happen... And you try as hard as you can to make it happen, no matter how hard you try, the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will become true. Right? And this is a part of our creed, by the way. This is a part of our aqidah, where, where, where we learn in Hadith Jibreel, where the Prophet, he described the six pillars of Iman. 
yu'minu billahi, right? Believing in Allah, believing in kutubihi, wa rusulihi, wa malaikatihi, right? And wal yawmul qiyamah and wal qadr, qadr khayrihi wa sharrihi. That a part of your belief system is to believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows all the things that you consider good and even the things that you consider bad. Even the things that you consider bad. And this is by the way where the Mufassirin come up with a very beautiful point, a very beautiful lesson that a lot of people overlook. That it could have very well been the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He gave mercy to the heart of the oldest brother. That the other brothers were plotting to kill him. It was only because of the guilt of the eldest one that Prophet Yusuf salam's life was in fact spared. So initially when we read this, this surah and we read these ayat, we see that the oldest brother says, لا تقتلوا يوسف وألقوه في غيابة الجب. And we make our human inference that you know throwing a young child inside of a well is as good as death. Right? Everyone, we agree with this, that if you, if you take a six-year-old or a seven-year-old and one says kill him, the other one says throw him into a well that's far away from his home, the, the, second, the second option is just as deadly as the first one. This is our human ration and human reason, logic, right? But it is because of this mercy that was felt in the heart of this older brother that Prophet Yusuf salam actually survived. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, implant, He implanted this mercy in this older brother's heart. And this further proves that no matter how bad the environment is, even the slightest good can improve the situation. A lot of people, unfortunately, they think that since my environment is so bad, there's no point in even trying to be good. That this place is horrible, this place is terrible. You know, there's not even any point in trying to be good in such a horrible place. But being good, even in the face of adversity, is good, right? And this is what we learn from this ayah. And the next ayah is very, very interesting. The next ayah is very, very interesting. The next ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He further comments and He continues this story. And He says, So qala qailu minhum la taqtulu yusuf walquhu fi ghayabatiljub. He says here, the older brother continues to say, Throw him into this pit. So that if a person, if a person, a traveler, happens to pass by, a traveler obviously is looking for food and water. Right? We agree with this. So if a traveler sees a well, they're automatically instinctually going to stop. And if they stop at this well, they will see Yusuf salam and they will pick him up. So the older brother even continues to elaborate that I do not want the blood of our younger brother on our hands. I don't want this child's murder to be on our hands. In kuntum fa'ilin, if you, if your anger and your hatred would still drive you to do something, at least give him a fighting chance. Give him a fighting chance. in kuntum fa'ilin. Very interesting in Arabic, and for those of you who are following along, the word yaltaqithu, yaltaqith, it comes from the word laqit, lukta. Lukta in Arabic, it literally means a uh, something that is dropped. 
that uh, is not very valuable. Something that is dropped that is not very valuable. And in fact, in Arabic, uh, just kind of, you know, rhetoric, they say the word luqta is used to describe a young child. A young child. A young child who cannot do much in their life, yet they're more of a responsibility than one that can actually give any sort of, you know, help to the family. So they're called luqta. So the older brother, he refers to Prophet Yusuf as this young kid, that if he's dropped, he's dropped. You know, khair, whatever. You know, we don't have to do his murder, but we can just leave him where he is. And if somebody picks him up, then somebody picks him up. Right? In kuntum fa'ini. That if you should do something, then just do that, okay? In kuntum fa'ini. Now, here, we need to talk. Muhammad bin Ishaq, rahimahullah, he actually talks about the seriousness of the sin that was just committed, right? And the seriousness of the, of the sin, and by the way, this is actually going to allow us to intrinsically reflect upon our own shortcomings. And this is the point of the Qur'an, by the way. The Qur'an is not to just you know, point fingers at other people. The Qur'an is something that allows us to look at our own selves and say, what am I doing that's incorrect, right? When I see jealousy and hatred in stories in the Qur'an, you know, do I, in, do, do I have any of that within my own heart towards the people in my own life in this dunya? So Muhammad bin Ishaq rahimahullah, he says that the crime of the brothers involved three very serious things. And this is going to be very interesting to look over, by the way. The first thing is cutting the relation of the womb. This is what we call in Arabic, silatul rahim. Right? This is a command in our religion that you should uphold the ties of kinship. Silatul rahim. Silatul Rahim literally means the womb, the ties of the womb. And the, the womb, Rahim, comes from the same root as Rahma, Rahma, which means mercy. Very good. So there is an, it, there's an element of mercy involved with the relationships that we have with our families. That at times within families will not always be good and beautiful and easy and, 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 and very, very stress-free. Rather, in fact, there are very serious moments within families where your patience and your perseverance are tested more than any other place in the world. But the element that differentiates your relationship with your family versus any random passerby in the street is this concept of silatul rahim. That there is something that is tied within the womb that is merciful that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded you to keep ties with these people. Scholars even say that your family is the only aspect of your life that you had literally zero choice in, in terms of relationships. People don't like to talk about this, by the way, but even marriage is something that is conditional. Everyone agree with this? Right? There's some smiles from the younger brothers here, right? But, but it is true. Marriage, even something like marriage, which, by the way, Western society has tried to convince us that it's like this, you know, absolutely, you know, selfless love and this non-conditional love. And we, it, anybody of logic will know that marriage is one of the most conditional relationships in your life. It is so conditional, in fact, that you actually had to sign a nikah to put it into effect. <laughs> there was no nikah for your mother. There was no, there was no nikah for your children. There was no nikah for your father or your siblings. So that in fact proves that this relationship that you have with your womb, your womb relationships, is something that is beyond our understanding of logic. And this is why that, that, that the only 
relationship that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala compares to the relationship between creator and creation is that between a mother and a child. That's it. There's nothing else. Nothing else comes close to it. Everything else is just far away. But the closest thing that Allah compares is a mother and a child to his relationship with his creation. So you think about how much a mother would do for her child, and now you think about how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala compares that to his relationship with his abd. So think about how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala feels about us. What a mother would do for a child is anything. The word is anything. So imagine what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would do for us. And how do we honor that relationship between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And so the first thing that was, was broken, the first law that was broken was the law of Silatul Rahim. The second thing Muhammad ibn Ishaq rahimahullah he says is undutiful treatment of the parents. Undutiful treatment of the parents. That these sons were plotting to rip son away from father. This is a break of trust between parents and children. That we're plotting and planning to destroy this relationship between that a son, that a son had with his dad. And this is undutiful treatment of a parent. On top of that, on top of that, Ibn Ishaq, he actually continues on and he says, part two of that point is harshness towards the elder. Because Prophet Yaqub was an elderly man at this point. He was not a young man. All these other sons that he had were elder. And so Yusuf and Benjamin were the only two that were younger. Which tells you about the age of Yaqub was that he was old. He was an old man. And so when these, these sons plotted to rip away him and his son Yusuf, this was on, in fact mistreatment of the old and the weak. That this is something that was a crime of these brothers. Right? A crime of these brothers. And the third thing, the third and final thing, is harshness towards the young, helpless, and the sinless. That in Islam, we agree that children, children are the only bit of innocence that is left in this dunya. They are things in this dunya that are remaining sinless by their own account. At least until they hit the age of maturity. That a child is not held accountable for their mistakes before they hit the age of puberty or maturity. That a seven-year-old, if they do not pray, it is not held against them at that age as of yet. And because of that, the Prophet ﷺ, he even taught us that there are stages of development for kids. That a parent and a child, zero to seven, the first third of that child's life should be for love. Love and affection and mercy. Lots of spoiling, right? Not spoiling to a bad point, but just a lot of mercy towards this child. If, you, if, if we don't teach our five-year-olds to view Islam through the lens of love and mercy, then we're doing ourselves a disservice, wallahi al-azim. One of our teachers at the seminary, at, at, at the Qalam Seminary, Ustadha Rabia, she would always teach us that when we are teaching our children, if we teach our children about the punishments of the Day of Judgment and the reality of Jahannam before they turn the age of seven, then get ready for a, for, for a very difficult task ahead. 
Because you are beginning this child's journey towards Islam with something that is very, very difficult for even adults to grasp their heads around. Children do not learn out of that part of their brain just as of yet. They learn from positive reinforcement. That Allah loves this. Allah loves when you pray. Allah loves when you fast. Allah loves when you're good to your parents. Allah loves when you make dua. Allah loves when you, uh, you know, the, the people that go to hajj. Allah loves when you do dhikr. Allah loves, Allah loves, Allah loves. So this child grows up with the lens that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is loving before anything else. And then once the child reaches the age of seven, that is when you can start to instill some teachable moments to them. That seven to 13, 14, you teach this child the realities of the world and the hereafter. That there is good and then there is evil. There is Jannah and there is Jahannam. But it must be built off of the previous stage. It cannot be skipped. And then finally, if we do these steps correctly, after a child has reached the age of maturity, they are considered adults. And this is the problem with our, with our society nowadays, by the way, where we treat 13, 14 year olds like they're kids. That we are still sitting here trying to baby a 15 year old into praying. A 14-year-old into praying. Maryam is sitting here. She knows she's in my class. She knows that I don't teach my 13, 14-year-olds anymore like they're 7-year-olds. I don't believe in that in the masjid, by the way. I don't believe that a 14-year-old should be taught like a kid. A 14-year-old is of the age where their prayers count. Where if they were to pass away today, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would judge them for the years of maturity that they, under, they underwent. So this age of Prophet Yusuf was a child. He was considered a child, six, seven years old, didn't even pass the first stage yet. So these brothers committed a crime of harshness against the young. And if you want any examples of how the Prophet ﷺ treated his young, you don't have to look very far. There were narrations of the life of the Prophet ﷺ where people would literally, uh, they would see the Prophet ﷺ with his grandsons, Al-Hasan and Al-Husayn. And during the Salah, the Prophet ﷺ, he would extend his sajda. Why would he extend his sajda while his grandkids were around him? Because they were jumping on his back. They were jumping on his back and they were playing. And he did not want to interrupt their play. Think about this. This is the Prophet of God. Elongating his, 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 his sajda because he didn't want to interrupt the play of his grandchildren. After one time, after one time, the Prophet ﷺ was leading salah, and he made his salah very quick, because he heard a child crying in the back. He heard a child crying in the back. And he made his salah very quick. His ruku', his, 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 ruku', his sajda, his jalsa, he made it very, very quick. After it was done, the companions, they came to the Prophet ﷺ, they said, Ya Rasulullah, why did you speed through your salah? And he said, I did not want to cause distress in the heart of the mother for her crying child. I did not want to cause distress in the heart of a mother for her crying child. You are irritated by the cries of a child. Imagine how the mother must be feeling if the child is crying in front of her. Do you see how Islam puts things into perspective? 
Do you see how the Prophet ﷺ was literally أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَلَمِينَ no, no regular human being would have the thought process of this. This is just something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave in the heart of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa And thank God he did it. Alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. We move on to verse number 11. We move on to verse number 11. Where they are now speaking to their father Ya'qub alayhi salam. So now Surah Yusuf, it starts to shift gears a little bit. We are hearing about the plotting between the brothers. The plot has been plotted. We are, the plan is in place. And now it is time for the plan to be told to the father. Okay? And by the way, this involves a lot of trickery. Right? Because this plan is something that is very, very deceptive. It's very, very deceiving. It is something that is, you know, very, very corrupt and very, very uh, ill-willed and evil. So verse number 11, the brothers, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, قَالُوا يَا أَبَانَ مَا لَكَ لَا تَأْمَنَّ عَلَى يُوسُفَ وَإِنَّ لَهُ لَنَاصِحُونَ They say to their father, O oh, our father, يَا أَبَانَ يَا أَبَانَ What does that sound like? Anybody? They're trying to do what to their father? Being very kind, right? أَبَانَ Oh, our dad, our beloved father. Oh, my beloved Abu, Abi, Abba, right? They're trying to butter him up a little bit. All the fathers in here know what that feels like to a certain degree at certain moments in their life, right? When your kid wants something from you, you know that sometimes the best, the most sweetest mitai comes from their mouths, right? Your kid wants a gift. Oh, Abba, you look so good today, mashallah, right? Your beard looks very, very nice today, mashallah. Oh, is that a new shirt? Oh, alhamdulillah. Even, even mothers, mothers know this better than anybody. Mom, mashallah, you know, that, that, that food you cooked last night was, was amazing, right? Absolutely amazing. It was the best thing you've ever made. So they start to kind of implement this, this, this buttering up of their father. Ya Abana. Ma laka la ta'manna ala Yusuf. Oh, our father, why do you not trust us with Yusuf? Wa inna lahu la Even though we are his Nasihun, anyone know what the word nasihun means? What's the translation everyone has in their translation? Well-wisher, very good, right? Well-wisher, right? Nasihun comes from the word nasiha, right? Everyone knows the word nasiha. The word nasiha means good advice, right? Nasiha means good advice. Whenever we say, hey, come, let me give you some nasiha. Hey, come over here, I will, t- I will give you a little bit of advice here. Nasiha means very sincere, Sincere advisors, not just well-wishers, but we feel sincerely about these people. So do you see the hypocrisy here? Do you see the lies being told here? They say to their father, Oh, Abbi, Ya Abana, Ma laka la ta'manna ala Yusuf. Why do you not trust us with him? Why do you not trust us with him? Do you see how sometimes, uh, this is by the way, you know, um, there is this concept called, uh, what's the word I'm looking for in English? It's called manipulation. 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 Anyone know the definition of manipulation? Some of the young people here, mashallah, the schoolgoers. What does the word manipulation mean? Anyone? How would you define manipulation? Manipulation basically is when you, 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 you very, very cleverly and slyly use emotions against somebody to get what you want. 
Everyone understand this concept? Manipulation? So basically, if there's like a, a weakness that you see in somebody, you, 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 you maximize and you benefit from that weakness and you kind of emphasize that weakness and you kind of make an emotional point out of it to get what you want at the end of the day. So manipulation will be along the lines of if I know that my mother has a weakness for a certain thing, right? She likes, I don't know, let's say my mother likes mitai, and I go up to my mother and I say, hey, you know, I bought you a week's worth of mitai. <laughs> because I know my mother loves mitai. And all of a sudden, I know that if I give my mother mitai, whatever I ask of my mother will have a better chance of coming out in the way that I want it to come out because I have now given her something that she would want. So these brothers of Yusuf, they go up to their father and they say, Ya Abana, why don't you trust us with him? Because they know that asking a father why you do not trust us would be something that is very hurtful to him. Understand? If a kid goes up to their parents and they say, do you not trust me? And by the way, every parent in here, I can guarantee you has gone through that conversation with their kids. Right? You tell them not to do something. Mama, don't you trust me? <laughs> this is when your heart just what happens, right? It becomes makhni, right? It just melts. It, become, it melts into, the, into a puddle. Oh, I, I do trust you. I do trust you. Don't say something like that, right? I trust you so much. I love you so much. But to manipulate somebody to get that out of them is something that is very, very wrong. It's very wrong. So they go up to their father and say, Oh, father, do you not trust us with Yusuf? Do you not think that we're worthy of taking care of him? Do you not think that we are trustworthy young men? You trust us with so many different things in, the, in this house and going to get food and taking care of the animals outside and making sure that we have everything that we need in this home. So do you not trust us with something so foundational like our brother Yusuf? Even though we are his most sincere advisors, his most sincere well-wishers, and they're saying all this to their father. And at this point, at this point, they ask him for something. They ask their father after they manipulate him a little bit, لَنَاسِحُونَ They say, أَرْسَلْهُ مَعَنَا أَرْسَلْهُ مَعَنَا غَدًا يَرْتَعْ وَيَلْعَبْ They say, O oh, our father, send him with us tomorrow so that he may so these two words, by the way, are, are a little bit interesting. means to enjoy. Enjoy. Means to like have a good time. To enjoy, to relax. In Arabic, means to play. To play. Okay? To play and to run around and all these different things. And so they're saying to their father, Oh, father, send him with us tomorrow. All we want to do is spend some time with our younger brother. All we want to do is spend some time with him. We're older brothers. You know, he deserves time with his older brother. So let us, let us take him out and play with him. Right? Let us give, let, let us give him some time. Right? And, uh, and, and, and they say, you know, وَإِنَّ They say to their father on top of that another thing. The first thing they call themselves is, everyone, what is the first thing they, we, we said? Nasihun. Very good. The second thing they call themselves is? Hafizun. 
Nasihun hafidun. Now, I'll tell you something. If we have anybody in our lives that are qualified as nasihun and hafidun, stick with them until the end of your life. <laughs> people who are nasihun and hafidun are people who you do not want to let go of. Nasihun are people who care about you deeply, who only want the best for you. And hafidun comes from the word hafadha. Hafid means to protect, to preserve. The, with those descriptions, you should be able to leave whoever with that person. So you see how they're very clever with their words. This is that manipulation to another level. They're continuing to speak very elaborately. Continuing to speak very beautifully and flowery and, flu- and, and, and just very, very nicely. And this is, by the way, can I tell you something very interesting here? That this is why there are certain what we call red flags. <laughs> Red flags when it comes to like this world. If a person talks about themselves in such lofty ways, most likely there's something wrong. There's something wrong. If a person says, oh, I'm your only well-wisher, oh, I'm your only caretaker, there's something wrong there. Because in fact, who also called himself a nasihun to Prophet Adam alayhi salam? Shaitan. When shaitan was given the ability to implement waswasa in the hearts of mankind. And Allah Ta'ala told Adam alayhi salam, لا تخرب هذه الشجرة Don't go near that tree. Shaitan whispered into the ears of Adam alayhi salam and he said, إِنَّهُ لَنَاسِحُونَ I am indeed your well-wisher. Don't you think that I want the best for you? Whenever nasihun has been mentioned in the Qur'an, there were a lot of times it was mentioned by very manipulative beings. Shaitan, one of them, and now these brothers right here. So at this point, at this point, it says that the heart of Ya'qub became very, very uncomfortable. Ya'qub was a what at the end of the day, everybody? He was a? A prophet. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave this man extreme wisdom. He was not just a layman. He was not just a man that you would find on the street. This was a prophet of God who's seen a lot of things in his life. You know, this is why, by the way, you know, for the youngsters here, I know that it's hard sometimes to like, you know, um, I guess, you know, see the viewpoints of your elders. But just putting it point blank, they've seen a lot more life than you have. It's just true. You know, like you've been alive for 16 years, 17 years. These people have been alive for 40, 50 years. It's just statistical reality that they've seen more in life than you have at this point. So there is wisdom behind the things that they say to you. That they've seen a lot of things that you have not seen yet. And especially when it comes to your parents. I mean, these are the people who literally have been given the responsibility of giving their life to take care of you. So, you know, there's a good, there's, there's a good you know, chance that these people are truly sincere in, 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 in what they say to you. Even if there's a disagreement in the family. Right? And at this point, Ya'qub became very uncomfortable. The tafsir says that Ya'qub became growingly uncomfortable at these boys. You know when a person overcompensates for what they're saying, right? Like they're trying to convince you, they're trying to sell you on something, and you get a little bit uncomfortable, you're like, all right, what's going on really here, right? My wife, my wife and I are in the, in, in the process of home buying right now, and we, we, we see that, 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 that manipulation going on, right? Oh, this is a beautiful, beautiful two-story, three-bedroom, four-bedroom home. Once you step foot in this house, you'll never want to leave. Like, really? This is Jannah? Like, what is this place, right? This is like... Is this Jannah's Firdaus the street, like avenue? What's going on here, right? Like, 
and they'll, and they'll, oh, it's such a beautiful backyard. Oh, my God. Only until the inspection happens do you start realizing that this house is not so great. <laughs> the foundation's a little bit weak. There's cracks in the walls, right? There's something called mortgage <laughs> that will make any beautiful home not so beautiful anymore, right? So it, when a person speaks very flower, and this is why, by the way, the Prophet wasallam, can I be very honest with everybody? This is just my personal advice here. This is why the Prophet ﷺ did not speak very elaborately. He was not a man of very elaborate words. You know, people called him Sha'ir, right? Sha'ir. A what? What does that mean? Anyone? A poet. But the Prophet ﷺ says, no, I'm not, not Sha'ir. I'm not a poet. I don't have the ability to be a poet. Poets are very elaborate in their speech. The Prophet ﷺ was not very elaborate in his speech. He was very to the point. And you know, as you get older, you start to appreciate people like that. Just straight into the point. You know, what is it that you need? Alhamdulillah. Don't, you, don't, you don't need to speak very flowerly. You don't need to speak very elaborately. Just say what you need. It's okay, inshallah, I got you. Right? And so, Ya'qub became a little bit alarmed. Ya'qub, he responds in ayah number 13. Ya'qub, he says, Qala inni layahzunani. قَالَ إِنِّي أَن He says in this ayah, Allah Ta'ala says that Ya'qub finally spoke. After hearing all of this manipulation, all of this beautiful wording from his sons, Ya'qub finally gave a piece of his mind. He says to his sons, إِنِّي Indeed, it saddens me that you should take him away from me. I feel uncomfortable that you want to take him away from me. He's expressing his discomfort right to their face. Open communication, nothing hidden. I don't like this idea, right? This is a lesson of the parents, by the way. Don't round about your children. Just tell them. <laughs> if you're uncomfortable with them, I know every parent, by the way, my mother went through this as well. My mother was very, very afraid of hurting her children's feelings. <laughs> I see mothers laughing right now. Yeah, I know. It's like the scariest thing, right? Oh my God, if my kids get mad at me, they're not going to come back to me again, right? Scary, right? Terrifying. It is terrifying, by the way. But sometimes there's actually more harm done by not being honest. There's more harm done by not being honest. By keeping something on the table when it's not on the table. That this is a rule. And I tell this to all the parents, by the way, that, 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 that are a part of the youth program that I, that I conduct at Qadam. A lot of parents come up to me, they say, you know, can you give me a little bit of advice on how to handle this, this conflict I'm having with my teenager? I said, well, did you tell your teenager what the rule is, just straight up? And, 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 and by the way, it doesn't mean you have to be harsh, be loving. But tell them the truth. If the rule is that there, you, cannot go, you cannot sleep over at someone's house overnight, just be very upfront about it. Listen, I love you dearly. I care a lot about you. There's a lot of things that you can do. There's just one rule I have. My mother used to always tell us this, by the way. I never slept over at anybody's house. <laughs> I'm 28 years old. Still hasn't happened. <laughs> my mother used to always tell me, you can do anything you want to. She knew my friends. Alhamdulillah, they were good people. But you are not allowed to stay over at their house at night. As, as, as nighttime hits, you come right back home. I don't care if you pray to Hajjud at their house. You're at home at 3 a.m. <laughs> when your eyes close, you're in your bed. 
And you know what? Over time, I start to grow appreciation for this. In the beginning, obviously, there's like rebelliousness, right? Oh, mom, you're unfair. Why are you? Uh, this is so bad, right? Like, I know you pay all the bills, but still, right? Like, after a while, bust, man, they start to understand. It grows with maturity, right? It's not going to happen right away. There are going to be a lot of rules your kids hate. But guess what? As they get older, they'll start appreciating. And trust me, if they don't appreciate it now, they'll appreciate it when they have their own kids. When their 13-year-old wants to go out with their friends, they're going to be like, Mommy, what did you do with me? Right? I was like, oh, my, how the tables have turned. Right? <laughs> Never thought I'd see you here. These things happen. So he says, you know, I'm very uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable. And I fear. It comes from the word khawf, which means to fear. It's fear, right? Khawf, by the way, uh, there, there's, um, there's a difference between khawf and, um, and, and fearing of Allah. Okay? Khawf, that's the word khashya, right? Khashya in, 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 in Arabic means like a, a fear that is bred out of love. Dali kaliman khashya rabba, right? At the end of Surah Al-Bayyina. Khashya rabba is describing a fear that's out of love, meaning that I don't want to disappoint somebody that I love, so I fear disappointing them. That's a fear out of love. Khawf is a fear that is bred out of just fear. Fear, anxiety, stress, this is what, this is what khawf is. And so he says, wa akhafu. I'm afraid. I'm stressed out. I'm afraid that a wolf, a dhibu, dhibun is a wolf, a very, very wild, dangerous animal. Ya'akulahu will eat him, will devour him, will harm him. If there's a moment where you are just kind of like heedless and mindless, you turn around for one second. You lose you where your brother is, and a wolf harms him. I'm afraid of that. You know, and this is, by the way, and this is why, by the way, if parents want to, like, learn how to treat their kids, like, this is a great surah, by the way. It's an amazing surah. This surah is like, you know, your parents are like, I, I don't want you to go out driving right now. Why, mom? Because I'm afraid. The crazy driver's out there, right? Mom, I'll be safe. No, no, no. I, it's 6 p.m. People start driving from home, work to home. There's a lot of traffic. I'm, I'm afraid of this, right? This fear is natural. This fear is natural. When I leave the house now, wallahi, this happens to me. When I leave the house now, I'm always thinking about my baby. I'm like, I wonder what Aya is doing. <laughs> I wonder if she's, she's burping okay. I wonder if she's, you know, gassy. I wonder if she needs to be... I know my wife is home with her. And I'm sure my wife feels the same way. My wife and I sometimes when we go out and we ask, you know, my, da- my daughter's daddy, right? My mom to come and see, just take care of her for an hour. The first 30 minutes we're out, we're like, I wonder if she's okay. Should we call? Right? She's in daddy's hands. I know my mother. My mother's raised a bunch of children. I know she knows how to raise kids better than I will ever probably be able to raise kids. But even then, I leave the house for 30 minutes. I start worrying about my daughter. It's natural. You know how kids get annoyed by that? Children are like, oh, mom, you're always worrying about me. You know, can I tell you something? You know, for, for, for the younger folks here, say alhamdulillah that you have parents that worry about you. Seriously. Say alhamdulillah that you have parents that worry about you. There are kids that exist today where they wish they had parents that worried about them. Their parents have no idea where they are and they don't care. If your parents worry about you, say, Alhamdulillah, my parents care so much about me that they worry about me. This is a huge blessing of Allah, by the way. Huge blessing of Allah. 
And so he says, I, I, I fear this. They respond, and this is, in, man, subhanAllah, this is, man, this is, this is where, you know, it, it's so painful to read because of the, the manipulation and the, and, and the evil that comes from these brothers at times. Verse number 14, Allah Ta'ala, he says, قَالُوا قَالُوا لَإِنْ أَكَلَهُ الذِّئْبُ وَنَحْنُ عُسْبَةٌ إِنَّ إِذَا لَخَاسِرُونَ They say, if a wolf should devour him, right? That if a wolf should kill him, if a wolf should devour him, if that really is what is to happen, then truly, truly, we are of those who are losers. So you see what they're doing? They're even insulting themselves. They say to their father at this point, they say that if truly that a wolf would kill him, that if a wolf would devour him, then we, وَنَحْنُ usba, And we are a big group of young men. What did we say about the word usba last week? What does the word usba mean? Usba means a group of people. Not just one, not just two, group, multiple. Of capable, capable people. وَنَحْنُ usba, إِنَّا We will surely be of those who are losers, right? And you know what's really interesting? You know what Ibn, you know, everyone you know Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, the great, to, to, uh, the great Mufassir? Ibn Kathir, he says that their niyyah just came out in this, in this ayah. You know what their niyyah came out to be? Their niyyah is, وَنَحْنُ عُسْبَةٌ وَنَحْنُ عُسْبَةٌ We are a group of people. Where did we hear this before? Can anyone tell me what ayah we heard this before in? There's an ayah previous. I want to see if anybody can get it, inshallah. There's an ayah. Anyone looking through their Quran and seeing? I'm looking through my Quran as well. I got it. What ayah did they mention this previously? Verse number? Very good. Verse number eight. Verse number eight. إِذْ قَالُوا لَا يُوسُفُ وَأَخُوهُ أَحَبُّ إِلَىٰ أَبِينَ مِنَّا وَنَحْنُ عُسْبًا our father loves Yusuf more than us when we are nahnu usba. How can he love Yusuf more than he loves us? We're older, we're better, stronger. We're a group. Yeah, he still loves our younger brother. How is that possible? Inna abana lafi mubin. That's what they say. Our father is in a clear error. You see, when a person is riddled with disease in their heart, it's very obvious what their intention is. It doesn't take long for their inniya to come out. No matter how hard they try to hide it. How do they try to hide it, everybody? Oh, let us take Yusuf. You do, don't, don't you trust us? We're his guardians. Nasihun, hafidun. We're his well-wishers. We're his protectors. Let us go out and play with him. We'll protect him. We'll take care of him. We'll bring him right back to you. But... This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes the niyyah come out very, very, very clearly. And this is, by the way, why like when your niyyah is pure, people will be able to see it. People will be able to see your niyyah. The people who pray sincerely to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they won't just pray for like 15 minutes here and go home and not pray. Their prayers at home is even more beautiful than their prayers here. The people who are beautiful in character, their character will be even more beautiful in their house behind closed doors than it is in public. That niya will come out. 
That on the day of judgment, the people's families who, who, who they were good to, those family members will actually, they will, they, will, they will vouch for them on the day of judgment in front of Allah. Oh Allah, I know my, my father was a man who used to go to the masjid, but I can tell you right now, his behavior in the home was even better than his behavior was in public. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make of, the, of those people. And so they, they say, وَنَحْنُ usba, You know, we, we're a group of people, surely... If, if we allow Yusuf to be killed by a wolf, then we are of those who are khasirun. Khasirun comes from the word khusr. Anyone heard that word khusr before? Right? People who are lost. People who are losers. People who have lost everything. So if we allow Yusuf to get hurt, then we're losers. They're still trying to convince their father. At this point... They say something very, very interesting. So they they say all these things and they 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 basically kind of let go of their 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 niya. Their niya is right out there. The father still still understands that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can plan better than anybody. So he actually allows Yusuf to go with these brothers, right? The manipulation got to the father. Prophet Ya'qub alayhi salam, he was affected by this by the speech of his sons. So he allows them to take Yusuf alayhi salam. And we'll do one last ayah and then we'll inshallah wrap up for today. We'll do ayah number 15. Ayah number 15. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins to narrate what happens in the following scene. Allah says, so when they took him away, they all agreed to throw him down this well. And they plotted to throw him down a well and we reveal to him, meaning Yusuf alayhi salam, indeed, indeed you will one day inform them of this affair of theirs, وَهُمْ لَا يَشْعُرُونَ While they do not know. While they have no idea. So I'll narrate this last bit and inshallah we'll, we'll, we'll stop. The Mufassirin say something very incredible. They say that when... Ya'qub alayhi salam, he allowed the sons to take Yusuf. He walked with them to the end of the home, meaning like the end of the, the land that they owned. And they saw the brothers carrying Yusuf alayhi salam upon their shoulders, meaning that they were still upkeeping this lie. They were pretending to care for and love their brother. So one of the brothers was in fact, and I mean, if anybody has done this with their kids or younger siblings, whatever it may have been, you know, you, you, you put, you know, a child's legs around like your, 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 your shoulder and they're sitting on top of your shoulder, perched upon your shoulder. This is what the scholars are saying exactly what took place. So the brothers are walking with Yusuf upon their shoulder. They're acting like they're happy and playing with him. Right, they're happy, they're enjoying their time. As soon as they leave the view of their father, as soon as they leave the vision of their dad, the brother, they, he throws Yusuf on the ground. 
he throws Yusuf on the ground, Ibn Kathir rahimahullah even says that they began to start abusing Prophet Yusuf alayhi salam verbally. They began cursing at him, they began, they began harming him and beating him. And when they reached the well, they agreed to throw him in. Ibn Kathir rahimahullah, he says that they tied him up. They bound his arms. They tied him up, they bound his arms with rope and they began to lower him. Now, subhanAllah, this is like the, 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 the nature of a child. When something's going wrong, they start panicking and thinking about what's happening. And this is quite literally, you know, there's, by the way, like psychological and, 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 and social research papers that are written about abuse of emotions. When people abuse emotions, this young child Yusuf trusted his brothers very deeply. I mean, think about, I mean, just all the elders in here, just kind of close your eyes and reflect back about how you viewed your older siblings. They were almost like second parents, right? Almost, and, 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 and if you are the older sibling, think about how we have to take care of the younger ones. The responsibility of an older sibling is almost that of a, of a parent. And at this point, the abuse of emotions take place as they literally pretend to love him and then throw him. And at this point, they begin the plot of putting him down in the well. And inshallah, we will pause here. Um, inshallah, we will continue on next week with uh, the theme. And this is very important, by the way. Next week's inshallah theme is going to be all about the topic of lies and deceit. And the reality of how the qadr of Allah will always come through no matter how impossible the situation may look. So inshallah, we will pause there for today. Uh, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to free us from any of the diseases of the heart. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to keep us in very good intentions with the people in our lives. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to never allow us to cut off the ties of kinship that He has given us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be a beacon of mercy for those who are older, who are younger than us, and also be respectful to those who are older than us. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that whatever ever sins or mistakes that we have committed against our parents, whether they are still with us to this day or they have passed away, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us for those mistakes that we have made. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless our hearts and our lives with the fruit and the blessings of his Qur'an. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to learn from the many, many blessings of his glorious words. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik wa nashadu an la ilaha illa ant nastaghfiruka wa natubu alayk. 